Welcome to the Commercial Disco, a journey of commercial discovery. The only show dedicated to the great stories and people driving Australia's unique innovation and tech landscape. Welcome to the Commercial Disco. I'm James Riley. Today I'm talking to Alistair Hanskins, the New South Wales Minister for Skills and Training and also Minister for Science, Innovation and Technology. Welcome, Minister. Thank you, James. Great to be with you and your listeners. Now, you're not a relative newcomer to politics, but a relative newcomer to this portfolio, particularly in science, innovation and technology. So we've seen you everywhere since, though. You've got across many, many different industries, and I've seen through Twitter and your releases, many companies, uh, many research institutes. So I'm just going to ask you, what's kind of interesting to you out there? What, what have you seen? Well, what's interesting to me is the way in which our university sector, our industry and our government collaborating a lot more than they have in the past. And I think that's very exciting because we're seeing this happen all around the world, but that sort of triple helix of industry, universities and government working together has much greater scope for exciting possibilities when it comes to innovation, research uh, and commercialisation of new technology. So the big thing that I've seen is the huge amount of collaboration that's going on. And whereas universities used to be incredibly inward looking, they're now much more outward looking, both within the university sector, so that we've got researchers in the same areas, regardless of the university that they're employed by, collaborating together, but we've also got them collaborating with industry and government too, in order to be innovative. And I've, I've got to say, James, this is probably going to seem like a very strange analogy, but I don't know if you've seen the, the recent documentary on the Beatles called Get Back. I and not, it's on my list. So it, it's fascinating to be a fly on the wall seeing real geniuses in a particular area actually creating songs which are, you know, legendary songs like Let It Be or Get Back or, or whatever on that album. So you get to see that happening. As I walk around these innovation hubs and as I walk around the research facilities in our world-leading universities, I feel like I'm that fly on the wall. And although we think of our scientists in a very old-fashioned way as being people that wear lab coats and so on, really we need to think of them as rock stars. So when I meet Michelle Simmons in the quantum research facility at, at the University of New South Wales, she is like the Paul McCartney of quantum computing. And we have these magnificent people here in New South Wales and as the Science Innovation Technology Minister, you know, I, I'm privileged to be that fly on the wall. But we're only seeing now in terms of when the Beatles recorded that album in 1969, most members of the public don't get that ability to have a genius explaining to them their research, what they're doing, the equipment that they're using, the way that they've put the project together. But I had that flash of this is what's going on when someone said to me, I think it was actually in Tech Central, and I saw the laboratory that with 3D printers and so on, that the researchers are able to conceive of their idea, design it, and with the 3D printer, produce a prototype 
and then they can see how it is and how it works. And that just, for me, triggered that Get Back documentary where the Beatles were recording a song and then listening to it in the recording studio and then going back and redoing things. And I thought, well, this is actually the same creative process done in a different way for a different purpose. There's a bit to unpack there. It's certainly hard to disagree about Michelle Simmons. She is absolutely a rock star, for want of a better term, and, and someone who's generally at the top of her, her game around the, around the world. So this is where it gets a little bit interesting. I know that placing bets used to be a bit of a pejorative, but these days it seems governments are more willing to place bets where there is potential large outcomes. So I think you guys, talking of Michelle Simmons, you guys are a equity partner in, in her venture. So what else have you seen industry-wise where like Tech Central is an investment with lots of different companies that representing lots of different industries will come together. But if we think about those vertical niches or particular areas, where does New South Wales stand out? Where have we got some really great stuff? Look, New South Wales is the most diversified economy in Australia. And on top of that, we've also got a large concentration of world-leading universities, you know, six universities in the top 200 in the world here. And so we've got a very unique system. And, and on top of that, we've got the CSIRO with a significant presence as well, which is a leading research organization. So we have an extraordinary, and, and I'm including the ANU in New South Wales for the purposes of our concentration of world-leading universities. So we have a particular ecosystem which is unique within Australia. On top of that, we've got our physical environment as well. So recently, we released a report from the Innovation and Productivity Council on talent attraction. We have some huge advantages in terms of attracting the best minds to New South Wales. It, it used to be, you know, when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, it used to be all the great minds in Australia went overseas. The critical thing is that we can now have the best minds stay and, in fact, we can attract many really good minds from around the world here into New South Wales, which is fantastic in terms of keeping world-leading research going on right here in our state. So some of our advantages in terms of areas are obviously quantum computing, which we've already spoken about, fintech, pharmaceuticals. These are areas that we have particular advantages in, but we have many competitive advantages and we've got some great advanced manufacturing going on in our state as well. So we are really well placed. And as the first science minister in New South Wales, we need to look at the future and how we're going to create our future wealth. We've heavily relied on mining and agriculture in the past. In many respects, they're going to continue as a source of wealth, but we need to think of our world-leading minds as our great human capital, which will be through research and innovation, that they will be creating the wealth of our future and the jobs of our future and the opportunities of, of the future. So let me ask you this. You've touched on a couple of areas, but 
I wanted to ask you about to what extent you're working directly with your federal counterparts on some of these issues. I'm, I'm thinking specifically in terms of the work you've done in, in skills attraction. There's lots of things that New South Wales can do, but obviously there's lots of things that the Department of Immigration can do in the design of visa classifications. But similarly, across the sector, you would need to be working with a science minister at a federal level to coordinate investment and with your innovation investments as well. So how, how close is that relationship and how are you dividing up those areas of competitive advantage or is it just a free-for-all between each of the city-states in Australia? Look, I believe in the benefits of competitive tension between the states. So I think that's a healthy thing. What the federal government has been doing is, you know, we've obviously had a long-standing relationship with the Commonwealth Government in terms of co-funding support for research and development, and there have been a number of different programs that have driven that. The, the National Collaborative Research Infrastructure Strategy, or NCRIS, that has been very successful in terms of building top-quality, world-leading research infrastructure within New South Wales. And as I've been going around the universities, you know, I've been seeing many facilities that have been built with those Commonwealth funds, but also the Office of the New South Wales Chief Scientist and Engineer through a state-based research attraction and acceleration program. That's been providing financial support for New South Wales-based increase and increase-derived facilities, which have received Commonwealth funding. So, we're trying to work or complement at a state level that Commonwealth program and sometimes that seed funding uh, from, the, from the state government to ensure that we get our fair share of that increased program. We've got ARC Centres of Excellence, which are, again, the Office of Chief Scientist in New South Wales in 2020 co-invested to support two new centres of excellence based in New South Wales, funded under that Commonwealth program. We've got the ARC Industrial Transformation Research Program, which provides funding to research hubs, again, which we've been co-funding through the Office of Chief Scientist and Engineer and also cooperative research centres as well. So there are a range of different ways in which the state and federal government works together to promote our research ecosystem. So... Okay, we're talking about research now. What do you make of the federal government's real kind of focus, a real push on commercialisation, trying to improve the commercial outcomes of those excellent university researchers? Well, we support it. You know, it's really important that research is not just an intellectual exercise and an end in itself, but we really want to see that that research is actually coming out into real-world applications which can be commercialised. And, you know, James, you talked earlier about equity investment and so on arising out of the research. What I've observed is that universities understand that researchers also want to be innovators and commercialise their research. And indeed, in order to attract the best researchers, often you have to be saying, well, we'll have a startup to commercialise your research and you can have some equity in that to attract the best talent, to attract the best researchers. The United States have been doing this for a long time. And, you know, we need to do that here because that keeps us at the forefront of what's happening in the world. And that's where we want to be playing. We don't want to be playing in the second and third division. 
We want to be in the top tier competition in research, just as we are in a whole other number of areas of sport and otherwise in our country. And so that commercialization is important to attract the best, but it's also important in terms of creating the future jobs. We want to make sure that we're at a cutting edge in terms of job creation. And I see technology here as being to the advantage of a high wage paying jurisdiction like New South Wales. We've typically seen jobs lost, but if we can actually have advanced manufacturing techniques here in our country, cutting edge with top tier technology, we can actually enjoy advanced manufacturing in a high wage environment and still be globally competitive. And I think these are the opportunities that technology offer us. We shouldn't be shying away from it. We need to embrace it. We need to use our world-leading researchers and our great capital infrastructure, human capital infrastructure within our universities to drive those future jobs. So let's just step back also to the skills and skills attractions side of your responsibilities. We know that the Tech Council of Australia has an ambition to have 1.2 million people working in tech-related jobs by 2030. It's a big jump, I think 360,000-odd between now and then. So I'm asking you, we can train a bunch of those, but we're going to have to import skills as well. Has the federal government that has got the balance right on the mix of locally trained and offshore talent, And have they got the classifications right for those very specific niche of highly skilled people that we simply don't have in this country? Look, I think, James, there are a couple of really important things to say on on that topic. The first is that New South Wales has been unashamedly saying that we want to restart our skilled migration. At Investment New South Wales, it's got an agreement with the Commonwealth Department of Home Affairs to attract the capabilities and skills through international migration that we need right across the state, but including in science and technology. And you might remember Premier Perrottet before Christmas was really leading the nation on trying to get this skilled migration back going in our country. But what I would hasten to say, and this has been the, the old argument, This is migration which is actually creating jobs, not taking jobs away from people that are already within our country. Can I just remind you, James, a couple of weeks ago, New South Wales announced the lowest unemployment rate ever, 3.7%. I remember when I was at university studying economics at Sydney University in the 80s, and our professors were telling us you could never get the unemployment rate below 6%, that that was what they said was the natural rate of unemployment. And that below that, you're getting a whole lot of people that either will never work or can't work. Well, we've got it down to 3.7%, which is absolutely fantastic. But we do need help in terms of these emerging skills and new skills areas. Now, we haven't given up, by the way, the challenge of of training people, particularly in high-tech jobs, because, you know, we'll be opening later in the year an Institute of Applied Technology in Meadowbank that is particularly focused on high technology skills. This was a a recommendation of David Gonski and and Professor Shergold, where we embrace their recommendations. We're already opening up uh, the first Institute of Applied Technology to address this very issue in the technology area. And we're going to do both. We're going to train. We're going to have a capacity to train high tech, cutting edge skills 
here in New South Wales, but we're also going to get in the expertise we need from outside. We're working with the federal government to do that. Also, Hanskins, uh, any assistance you can give with uh, relieving some of those skills shortage pain, I'm sure will go down very well in this industry. Well, James, can I just tell you and, and your listeners that today we got some absolutely fantastic figures in terms of skills and training. You know, 71% increase in apprenticeships and traineeships in New South Wales at commencements of apprenticeships and traineeships, an increase of 30% in terms of the overall cohort. So we are doing a lot in terms of skills and training. This high-tech, cutting-edge skills are particularly challenging because of their nature. There aren't a whole lot of people that can teach them. So that is a challenge for government and a challenge for every economy, but that's a challenge that we're embracing and tackling through our Institutes of Applied Technology. All right, I'm going to finish up on this. Alistair Hanscom, Minister for Skills and Training and Minister for Science, Innovation and Technology in New South Wales. wanted to just get a rundown of Tech Central. Where are we up to with that? I think Atlassian through this week has finalised its deal with Dexas, so that building will go ahead. We'll look forward to that. It actually looks beautiful. But when are we going to see people on the ground and lots of that hive of activity? Look, I was uh, only just getting a briefing on that earlier in the week. The Tech Central precinct will be open in the middle of the year, the, the Sydney uh, Tech Central. I've already had the, the pleasure of going to one of the components of that to launch the National Space Industry Hub at Everly a few weeks ago. Look, these precincts are incredibly important in terms of promoting research, innovation and commercialisation within our state. What they allow, and people are incredibly enthusiastic about Tech Central, I must say, which lies behind your question, but, you know, what they allow is not only collaboration on research, but they also allow greater efficiency in research so there can be co-sharing of the really cutting-edge equipment so they're not locked away in a laboratory in a university where only university uh, researchers can use some of this equipment. Some of this equipment enormously expensive. You know, many millions of dollars worth of cutting-edge research equipment, 3D printers and all the like. And there's going to be a sharing and access arrangements around that sort of equipment. You're going to have different universities coming together and collaborating industry with them. I think it's incredibly exciting and, and it's really part of uh, what we're trying to do in New South Wales, which is really push innovation, push our R&D and push our transition into the jobs of the future. Well, it's something I'm looking forward to seeing over the coming years. It's such a great part of Sydney, that area, and the an infusion of, of that sort of energy that comes with researchers and startups and innovators. It's going to make it a terrific part of the town. I agree. It's going to revitalise that part of Sydney, but it's so well located when you've got universities around there, you've got Ultimo TAFE, which has been there for 100 years, you've got so much of a great ecosystem that it's all going to be around it, as you said, with Atlassian and so on. It's incredibly exciting. Minister, thanks for your time and for joining us on Commercial Disco. My pleasure, James. Thanks very much for having me.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Commercial Disco Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review wherever you heard us. And please go over to our website, innovationoz.com, to check out our recent stories on tech, innovation, and public policy. Or you can follow us on social media to ask us any questions or be a guest on the show. Until next time, this is the Commercial Disco wishing you a great week ahead.